All right, well, I have it on good authority, and it was proven true last uh, service, that we can get about 20 minutes at least of distraction from that candy for your kids. So you should be able to pay attention. That was my, my hope and my intent. Well, it's New Year's Eve, and tomorrow we step into 2024, and many are going to start the year off making a new resolution. And according to a recent survey that I read, 63% of Americans feel compelled, I thought that was interesting, compelled to set a New Year's resolution. And so here are the most popular resolutions for the year. You ready? Tell me if, they, if, they sound, if they're something new to you. Improve fitness. Improve financial health. Improve mental health and improve their diet. Sound familiar? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, these, I, look, I don't want to make light of these. These are worthy hopes to have, but I want to be clear here today. They are not foundational hopes. There's only one foundational hope. That is bedrock, and that's the gospel. These other hopes are what we refer to as furniture hopes, they're great hopes to have, but remember, they can change over time and circumstances. The foundational hope is the gospel. Hebrews 6, 19, right? We have this hope, the gospel, as an anchor for the soul. It's firm and secure. It's the bedrock that we plan our lives on. And so if we're not careful... The problem that we can run into this time of year is that we can lose sight of the gospel. And today, I want us to do something different. I don't want us to lose sight of the gospel. So I want us to remember. And rather than focus on some new resolution, I want us to focus on resolutely remembering God's faithful love towards us over this past year as we now prepare to step into 2024. And it's right for us to do this because the act of remembering is a leading theme that we find throughout God's word. This idea of remembering God's involvement in our lives, it serves as an act of renewal, of drawing us closer to him. And the scripture, you can read through it and it calls us, you'll find it calling us to remember for three reasons. The first is it leads us to adore and to worship God. The second is we honor God when we remember. And the third is just simply remembering God's mighty acts, his deeds in your life and what he's done through time and history has a direct impact on our behavior and our actions. Now, Psalm 103, that's where we'll be at today, is a psalm that puts all this into action. The psalm is a call to remember, and it's a model for us to follow. So I want us to spend a little time sitting with it this morning. And as we do, it's a psalm of David. So I want you to see how David meditates on God's love and his compassion, and he remembers all that God has done for his people. And I hope you'll see just how powerful this psalm really is. And so we're going to jump right into it. It begins with, my soul, bless the Lord, 
and all that is within me, bless his holy name. My soul, bless the Lord, and do not forget all his benefits. These first couple of verses are a call to praise the Lord, and I want you to notice a couple of things. First, notice how David is telling himself what to do. You know, from the moment we wake up, our minds are filled with thoughts. And who is it that's talking to us? Where do those thoughts come from? Well, they come from within us. And often, the talk that goes on in our mind is not very helpful, is it? And I'm convinced that David understood just how wrong that kind of thinking could be if it was allowed to go unchecked. And so it's common to find David throughout the Psalms speaking to himself, especially in times of difficulty. Now, I don't know what was going on when David wrote this Psalm. I don't know all the things that he was experiencing in his life at that time, but I know that there were times that were difficult and confusing for him. And rather than just let his mind ramble on with things that weren't true, he would stop himself and he would intentionally speak words of truth to himself. And I love what he is doing here. I love it because he's preaching the truth to himself. It's that gospel self-talk that we find in various psalms. For example, you can look at Psalm 43. It's another psalm by David. And then look at imagine him talking to himself right now. He says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? And then look what he does. Then he tells himself what to do. He says, I'll put my hope in God. I'll praise him again, my Savior and my God. These psalms and others teach us how to talk to ourselves rightly and how to rebuke that soul-sucking discouragement that can just torpedo our emotions. And David's answer for discouragement is just simply this. Remember who God is. Tell your heart to praise God. Why? So you don't forget all his benefits. And the second thing I want you to notice is that word bless. Bless is an interesting word. It can mean both receiving something and it can mean praising something. As I read this psalm, I I immediately thought of that old hymn. Christy, you remember that one, Count Your Blessings? Y'all know that? That's an old hymn. It was written in 1897. And it calls us to remember all the things that God has done for us. And, And why is the writer doing this? Because we leak perspective. We need to be reminded. It's often easy for us to take a negative view of life, but when we remember the things that God has done for us and to us, oh my, we cannot deny that we are blessed. We can't do it. And so the refrain of that song, you ready for it? I'm not going to sing it for you. It goes like this. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God hath done. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings and see what God has done. 
See, this hymn is doing the same thing that David is doing. It's calling us to remember all that God has done. And God has blessed us tremendously. And there is no doubt about that. No doubt. And I want to be clear on this. It is God who has done the blessing. But I want you to notice in this psalm, Psalm 103, what David is telling himself to do. He's telling himself to bless the Lord. Now, we know all the ways that we've been blessed by the Lord, but have you thought about what it means for us to bless the Lord? It's such a simple instruction, but it has such a profound impact and implication for our lives. Listen to what Dane Ortland writes. I love this guy, and I love he was reflecting on this idea of blessing the Lord. He says, it's a fundamental posture and joy that every believer should possess. And then Dane goes on to say that to bless the Lord is to lift one's eyes to heaven, to look to God, to celebrate who he is and count on him for all things. And acknowledge life as a gift from him. So at its base level, it is to simply notice him. To see him and to rejoice in him. In all that he is doing. You know, I was recently at my grandson Emery's basketball game. That kid is something else. I, and I mean that, not, not athletically. I mean, <laughs> he is learning the game. But he was so happy to have the whole family there. He was excited. We had both sets of grandparents there, and we were watching him. And now here's the crazy part. He would do something, like he'd get a rebound, right? Or maybe he'd, he'd guard someone really good. Or he, a few times he would take a shot. And then we, we, whenever he was done, man, he zipped down the court. He's like, like, like a rabbit, man. He'd stop on a dime. He'd turn around. He'd throw his arms up in the air. And, and no matter what it was he was doing, when he was done, he'd look over at us and he'd grin. And he, he just wanted us to notice him. And I'd smile back at him and I'd wave, pay attention pay attention to the game. And as I watched Emery, uh, as I watched him play, oh my, I I couldn't help but think of these words that Dane had written. What a blessing it was for my grandson to look back at me. He was blessing me. And I imagine that's what God feels like. He feels the same way when he sees his children notice him. See, we bless the Lord when we look up at him and we remember all the ways he has blessed us by looking down at us. And this is what David is doing by remembering and telling himself, don't forget all God's benefits. And then in Uh, From verse 3 down through 19, there's this big shift. And David just gets busy remembering all the reasons that he has to praise God. And I want to go through these. So we'll have to go really quickly through this passage because it's a long passage. But I want you to get the gist of this. And as we work through the psalm, I want you to notice David remembering it isn't just personal, but it's communal. 
He's not just reminding himself, but he's reminding everyone who God is and what God has done. It's like David is saying, look, if you can't think of a reason to praise God, I'll give you a few. Let's just start with the benefits. Verse 3 says, he forgives all your iniquities, your sins, and he heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with good things. Your youth is renewed like an eagle. See, David starts remembering how we've been forgiven, we've been healed, we've been redeemed and satisfied. And when I think of my own sin, my own iniquity, oh my, I can't help but shudder. Sometimes I wince. I was with Justin. I confessed something to him I'd done a long time ago. He shuddered. It was bad. (laughs) We both winced. Because I know how dark my heart was, is, and can be. Yet because of God's loving kindness towards me, I've been forgiven. And not because of anything that I have done. It was a free gift, right? It's John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever should believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. See, through my faith, my trust in Jesus, I've been made new. I've been born again. I've been washed in the blood of Jesus. My past, present, and future sins have been forgiven. And not only that, But he also heals my brokenness. And he's promised that one day all who trust in Jesus will be healed of every disease in the new heavens and the new earth. Now, some in this room here, even over this past year, had a foretaste of what that healing will be like because God has physically touched you in his already not yet kingdom. And he's restored your health. And listen, that is not all. Out of his grace and mercy, he saved us from the pit. He saved us from the pit. Had God not moved in my own life, who knows where I would be? I probably wouldn't have Patty. I wouldn't have my children. I wouldn't have my grandchildren. All of these blessings God has just poured out on me in abundance over these last 38 years would be gone. I have these blessings only because of his loving kindness and his mercy towards me. It's like he's wrapped me in his eternal goodness. Oh my, I can't forget this and neither can you. Because he's done the very same thing for you. And so when David says his youth is restored like that of an eagle, honestly, I can say the same thing because of the joy that I've been given through Christ. And not only does David reflect on the benefits of walking with God, but he remembers the Lord's character as well. Look what he writes in verse 6 and 7. He says, The Lord executes acts of righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He reveals his ways to Moses 
his deeds to the people of Israel. There will be difficulties and trials and troubles this side of heaven. That's a guarantee. It's part of living in this fallen world. But you and I can know with certainty that God is at work in your situation. You can know that. He hasn't forgotten about you. Admit whatever trial it is you find yourself in. We can be confident that he is just. And how do we know this? Because of the biblical stories found throughout the scripture. They demonstrate and they remind us of God's compassion and his great mercy. Moses is one of those stories where we see God's victory and we see him sustaining his people as Moses leads them out of captivity. And what I want you to know is this, okay? Hear me. God has done the same thing for you. He's done the same thing for you. Think of where you were without him in your life and where you are now. You remember your story of God's salvation, redemption, rescue, and blessing is just as powerful. In verse 8, David writes, The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger, abounding in faithful love. He'll not always accuse us or be angry forever. He's not dealt with our sins as our sins, he's not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our iniquity. Oh my, aren't you grateful for that? I am. I know all the ways that I've fallen short, and believe me, there are many. I am so grateful. He is not a grudge holder. I know people who would just as soon write you off at the slightest little wrong. And then 20 years later, they're still bringing it up. It's exasperating to be around someone like that. Who wants to be around them? And then early in my walk with Jesus, I would, I would mess, I was really messed up in my thinking. I thought I was either in or out with God, depending on how well I did each week at living up to what I thought was his expectations. So if I messed up, I was out. And you see, here's the problem with that. I was out all the time because I messed up so much. It is a maddening way to live. You'll never be good enough, but thank God that he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. No, he's not a grudge holder. David continues in verse 11. He says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west. So far, he's removed our transgressions from us. As far as, or rather, Father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Thanks to Jesus' atonement, our sins have been removed. They're so far from God that they'll never be held against us or remembered. Now, that's humbling. Verse 14 continues for he knows what we are made of remembering that we are dust as for man his days are like grass 
He blooms like a flower of the field. And when the wind passes over it, it vanishes. Its place is no longer known. But from eternity to eternity, the Lord's faithful love is towards those who fear him. And his righteousness towards the grandchildren of those who keep his covenant, who remember to observe his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. See, David's gone from remembering the character of God to remembering who we are. And we're finite beings. We aren't even a blink of the eye in the light of eternity. And I'm humbled. Listen, I am humbled when I think about how much control I have over my life. I can plan to get out and just accomplish all kinds of things for the day. I can head across town. I can, I can take care of business. I can meet with somebody and address an issue. And then to top it off, I could just get in my car and head to Kansas City. I can do all of that. But how much control do I really have? Not much. We're frail. And David remembers just how frail we really are. We're limited. David wants us to remember who we are because he wants us to have this broader vision of God. We need to remember that God is king over all. Our God endures. He's permanent. He won't let you down. He will not betray you. He won't. We're to remember and we're to marvel at the breadth of his rule. He rules over all because he is king. He deserves our wholehearted worship and our complete alliance because he, because he reigns over all, we can rest peacefully in him. Now we come to the end of the psalm. Notice what David does. He says, bless the Lord, all his angels of great strength, do, who do his word, obedient to his command. Bless the Lord, all his armies, his servants who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all the places where he rules. My soul, bless the Lord. See, David ends where he begins by once again calling on his soul, his whole being, to bless the Lord and remember all God's benefits. And as he does, he's inviting us, together with all of creation, to join him in doing the very same thing. And so tomorrow marks the start of a new year, a year that's going to be filled with many unexpected events that we didn't know would happen. It'll be filled with all sorts of unknowns. But amid all these unknowns, we know one thing for sure. And that's that we have the gospel as our foundational hope to stand on. We know that, right? Because it is an anchor for our soul. It's firm and secure. It's a foundation that we can place all lesser hopes on. And so as we prepare to welcome in the new year, let's not just focus on making new resolutions. Instead, let's determine to be resolute in remembering God's unwavering and steadfast love that has remained with us 
throughout this past year, and it's going to continue to follow us into eternity. Let this act of remembrance deepen our adoration and our worship for God. Let's honor God as we reflect on his goodness towards us. And let our reflections affect our behavior and our actions in this upcoming year as we step into 2024, determined to stand firmly planted on the gospel's foundational hope. That's my challenge to you today. Remember, will you pray with me? Father, we do ask that you empower us, Holy Spirit, to remember. Help us to do the work of remembering. Remembering all that you have done for us and to us. You are good. You are good. And we look to you. We bless you, Father, by looking up to you. Because your name is holy. And our hope, Father, our hope is in you, both now and forever. 